You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz that you're used to without tobacco. Fully Loaded Chew comes in nine flavors and is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine. To give us a try, head on over to FullyLoadedChew.com for a $1 can of chew with free shipping when you enter the code OUTDOOR1, O-U-T-D-O-O-R, and the number one. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast with your host, Nathan and Micah. You like how I called you Nathan that time? You do all the time. I call you Nathan because that's your freaking that is name. My, that is my actual name. But whenever you introduce yourself, you're always like, I'm Nate. Well, I, I prefer to go by Nate. Most people call me Nate, but you call me Nathan. My wife See, calls me that. Every time I tell somebody my name, yeah, my name is Micah. Oh, hi, Mike. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. You got that wrong. It's Micah. <laughs> Micah. All right. Like That's hilarious, like you know, whenever you like order at fast food and like, okay, what name do you want to put on order? I'm just like, yeah, it's Mike. <laughs> just, it's Mike. You're, just, you're not gonna. Get I, it I, right I don't even get in. I don't even do that. So, oh, it makes me laugh my ass off because it's so true. It is. <laughs> They're like Mike. Yeah, yeah. There's a uh in there. So yeah, I would say like different. most of my family and. Most people have known me for a long time. Just call me Nathan. That, that's fine. I, I answer to both. Right. I yeah, answer to true. Nate, Nathan, Jackass, Dumbass, <laughs> yeah. like different things. I mean, my brother, I mean, but his is pretty common. Matthew, I call him Matthew, but everybody else calls him Matt. Yeah, so. pe- yeah a lot of people will downgrade that Downgrade one. that name or shorten it to Matt. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty common. Pretty common. Yeah. Dude, you getting excited? I'm this, getting excited. This weekend? Yeah, this weekend's going to be sweet. I'm excited. I'm not excited about the weather, but. I At mean, least it's not going to rain on us. Yeah. I mean, it shouldn't. It, you, not should probably, it. you should probably fill the listener in on as to what we're doing. We're going to go up north, and we're going to kill some freaking coyotes. We're going to attempt to kill coyotes. Oh, we're going to do it. It's going to happen. I talked to the landowner today. He got me in line with some different spots we should hit up, places that he was seeing lots of coyotes during deer season, and he told me where a few dens were and that sort of stuff. So, I mean, we got enough spots to, you know, Spend I mean, some time we, out there. We could spend a few days, honestly, if we, you know, if we had the time to do it. But we're, we're gonna have plenty of spots to hit. Uh, it's gonna be awesome. So me and you and Russell, we're gonna go up there and hopefully get something done on our second annual. Yeah, second annual birthday birthday coyote hunt. Is that, Is that what we're calling it? I guess second annual birthday coyote hunt. 
I'm sure we can think of something to shorten that up with. Or just just call it going up north. Yeah, whatever. I am excited. Uh, You know, I know we're leaving. Like we, my my kids finally got their ball schedules, and so me and you and him are actually going to leave Saturday night, kind of later. Yeah, I mean, Uh, we're going to be up there Saturday night. We'll start hunting Sunday pretty much do that until it gets super hot and i mean if we're still hammering we're gonna keep going but uh if not might take the afternoon off do something hang out for a little bit whatever and then hit it in hardened again in the evening once it starts cooling down so it's supposed to be 90 so we'll see what happens yeah. how you feeling with your uh rifle i feel a lot better after shooting it the other day i mean i and we haven't talked about it, but we were able to go side ours in mm-hmm I was really nervous. Finally. Yeah, I was really nervous at first because you, I don't know how many times you shot before I got there, but you were sighted in by the time I, I got there. I didn't shoot until you got there. Oh, really? No, no, you walked up while we were setting up. Yeah. Okay. So I had, within six shots, I was. Yeah, you were on the money. hitting Nine, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, and you were, you know, 10 ring every time, whatever. I got a little nervous because, I mean, we got close and then it was kind of like, all over and then i don't know if you had to shoot that many times to get that barrel broke in or whatever you want to call it but then you know it was grouping really good so she's on the money right now yeah speaking of your six five i actually was listening to a podcast today um about the six five Mm -hmm. and how versatile it is this uh actually the nomadic the nomadic outdoorsman was on the o2 guys Okay. The Ohio uh, Outdoors podcast talking about elk hunting and how he he first started off with a 338 uh wind mag is that is it a 338 wind mag or 338 lapua? No, it was a 338 something. Is what he used to use. Elk okay. Hunting. Long story short, he now uses a 65 Creedmoor uh-huh. for elk hunting, which you can also use for deer hunting. Yeah. Which you also can use for Coyote hunting. I mean, you might blow the shit out of them. I mean, we'll but, see. Hopefully, we test uh, it. So I'm like, that's six fives so looking. Well, do you, you know? I I would not be totally against going elk hunting with a rifle at some point. No, I'd try it for sure. But I mean, from what I gather, you probably you want to shorten your range quite a bit with an elk with a six five. I would assume. So he he will push it out to seven fifty with it. 750 yards, really. That's what he said today on the podcast, at least. And See, he I feels would... comfortable shooting that far. That's how far he feels shooting the rifle or shooting an animal? Shooting the rifle. I don't know about the animal itself, but, I mean, apparently it's a strong round for that. I mean, it is, but I would think you'd want to keep it 400 and in. I have no clue. I've never attempted to kill an elk with a rifle. Right. So, I mean, same. You know, no idea, but I, you know, I listened to that today, and I was like, hmm, that's six fives looking. What I liked about it. I really enjoyed shooting it the other day, and, I mean, there's no kick on that thing. I mean, maybe a little bit, but the boy, your boys could handle that gun. No problem. You know what I'm most looking forward to with our rifles? Mm. It's when our freaking suppressors come in. Yeah, we got probably another month or two. That'd be great. Yeah. Because that, that Christensen NPR that I've got, which is a two two three, is loud. <laughs> Yes, it's super loud. So is mine. <laughs> well, I guess that's just because we're used to like you know Russell. Well, you gotta suppressor. think the last few guns that we've been shooting have been Russells <laughs> during you know our thermal season. Yeah, all at night, and so and all of those are suppressed. So we've been shooting suppressed guns for the last few months and haven't shot an actual you know yeah. unsuppressed 
gun. By the end of the day or the end of the night that we went shooting, I had a headache. Did you? Yeah, from I think my percussion on mine. Well, the the end of the night when we were shooting three hundred and five hundred, or three, four, and five, um, I was sitting up against a building. Yeah, I so guarantee I wonder you that, that didn't that, that didn't help you. None. You know, bounced off the building. I guarantee. Yeah, that wouldn't have helped uh, you. But it was kind of windy the night we shot. Hundred was no big deal. Three hundred, I felt great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the wind started jerk, you know, jerking me around. It was messing around, you know, out past yeah. that. But you, didn't you hit the four fifty? I hit four fifty once out of like six tries. Right now, every time I missed, I could see it. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what size plate that was we were going after, but it was not big. I can't, I couldn't tell you at four fifty, but you could see like I I barely missed it high. Same, I was the same, yeah. and it was to the point where. Ammo's expensive. I'm I'm done trying. I know if I kept on it, we could have, you know, done a little more. But, eh, yeah, I was like, okay, I'm done. Funny thing about the 500-yard uh, target we went after, uh, you know, I think you shot. Hit, you might have hit the target or whatever one time. And then I was going to go to 450, and I shot at 450, missed it. I'm like, well, I'm not feeling – I'm going to go back down to 300 whatever. And I'm like, all right, I hit 300. I'm going to try 500 now. And we go over there, and Russell's like, what in the hell is over there? <laughs> there, was, there were two does right underneath standing them. right underneath that. Yeah. They were, <laughs> we're like, well, guess we're not shooting at the 500-yard one yeah, anymore. Yeah, I mean, they were right there. And we've already shot in, you know, 20 rounds at this and thing. And then they came there. out of their bedding area and was just like, what's going on out here? Yeah, they were just moseying around eating. So, they could have cared less. Yeah. And we're yeah. like, well, I guess we're not going that direction anymore. Yeah. You shoot us, you, you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but, yeah, so today's episode. We talk a little fishing. We're going to talk some fishing, folks. It's fishing season. We got fellow Sportsman's Empire yeah. Network. I got to remember to start saying that. Podcaster, yes, sir. Lee Kleinow with the Freshwater Bite Podcast and the Michigan Life Outdoors Podcast. Uh, on Say what? He's a twofer. Got yeah, twofer. There you go. Uh, you totally screwed. My <laughs> um, we're gonna talk about some fishing specifically. Yeah. Uh, Lee talks about some uh, walleye stuff. In yeah, the they're in the beginning, but but we're gonna talk about mainly crappie and bass fishing. Yeah, a lot of a lot of really good information. Stuff that I don't think about because we. I mean, we talk about it on the show, but we're pond fisher that you know only get to go a handful of times throughout the year and it's mostly just with our kids but we, we know in the state of missouri crappie and bass they're you know hot commodity yeah and everybody's going after them for sure so we got him on have a lot of good information a lot of good stuff for you guys a lot of good tips and tricks uh things to be thinking about what time of year that sort of stuff so you're really going to enjoy this yeah before we get into our sponsors today i do want to thank everybody who uh ordered merch yeah is that we're calling it yeah hats shirts hoodies so whoever got on there and uh purchased something we really appreciate it so. yeah yeah the the online store closed back on may 20th yeah um haven't heard when stuff's gonna ship but i would hope pretty soon and um so we appreciate everybody you know doing that i mean people ask for it we uh we thought about doing it for a while and we finally found a avenue that wasn't going to be so time consuming for me mm-hmm. and you guys but right Mainly me, let's just be honest. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just didn't want to, to, to dick with it. And right. we found a different avenue that we thought, well, that could help Yeah, so we try to get what they want and make it a little easier on us. Yeah. So we did that. Probably be a while before we try to do something else. So the guys that, uh, you know, if you go around and you see some guy with a Missouri Woods and Water shirt, you 
That's a vintage. <laughs> That's a vintage now. A classic. Yeah. So at least for a little bit. Yeah. So appreciate everybody there. Let's jump into our sponsors before we get into today's show. Yep. Alps Outdoors. Don't Love say it. it. Love those guys. Okay, that was good. Is that good? Better. Change it up. Can't say enough good things about them. Well, you can't. No, but you really no. can't. Alps, I'm excited to – I'm going to try my – actually, I don't know. I haven't decided what chair. I'm taking both chairs – because I got that taller oh, one now. you got that big one. I got that yeah. taller one now, but I was talking to the landowner up north, and he was saying that, like, their hay fields, they're not quite as tall as what we got down here right now. Yeah. So I don't think I'm going to need it, but I'm going to take it either way. Because that would have been perfect for, you know, the tall hay grass, being able to get a little bit more perched up if need be. I'm telling you right now, tri-leg stool is the way to go. I mean, I like tri-leg stool, and, I mean, it's it's perfect for coyote hunting for sure. But once you get into that tall stuff, I'm thinking that tall chair is going to be a little bit better. Yeah, it's possible. But if you guys want to get on there, save yourself 30%. 30%. That's huge. Use so, the code WOODSWATER, all spelled out, Yep. when you're checking out. Yeah, Woods and Water. Uh, camo Fire. You guys need to be thinking they. you need to go and you need to update your app. Yeah, if you all have the app and you don't actually go online and look at it and you're using the app and it's not working for you, you need to just go to your app store or wherever that may be, Android or iPhone. I'm not sure how Android does it, but you just go to the app, refresh it. You don't got to delete it or nothing. You just got to, you know. Update it. Yeah. Yeah, they 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 updated the app, so um, it'll be uh, – won't work, I guess, if you don't update it. and it's it's a simple thing. Obviously, we all know how to update our apps. Mine do it automatically. Yeah, you can set them up different ways. Yeah, but yeah. I'm on the thing right now. I know every time we get on it, it's doesn't matter. It because doesn't it's not, matter. Not what you're looking at. But uh, yeah, they got some Alp stuff on here right now. Some rubber boots. Yeah. Uh, some other boots. Yeah, different types. Of different boots. types of boots, man. So uh, it's a it's a fun thing. I like you know I like getting on it just to see like is there something I yeah what do have I never need seen today? before. <laughs> What do I not need but want? Right, exactly. So. And, uh, you know, just check it out. Uh, so, camofire.com or download the app. Ooh, look, there's my Zamberland boots right there. Yeah, they got the Zamberlands on sale. 260 That's a pretty the good Bal-Toros. price. Baltoros. So. What's the Baltoro in the same color that my boots are right there? Yep. Oh, it's the Leopard. Baltoro is the, the one underneath it. That's why I was like, that don't seem right. So, the Leopard boot. Uh-huh. Uh, speaking of transition, let's transition into Zamberland. Yep. Um, Zamberland boots. I'm looking on Camo Fire. They've got the leopard right now. Uh, I currently have the Lynx boot, which is an eight inch boot. Um, I'm probably going to buy the leopard. Are you? Go with a little bit shorter. Oh, I think I like the six inch. Yeah. Uh, I like my eights, but I, 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 not that I'm, I'm going to keep using those Lynxes, but I mean, why the hell not? Right. So I'm just going to probably get the. The, Dude, speaking, I mean, speaking of example, what are you going to be using up north? Are you going to wear your uh, I'm gonna latte? Wear the, no, I'm going to be. Well, I'm going to wear the links. See, I, I mean, it's going to be hot stuff. I'm thinking about. I'm taking my salates. Call. And if, if it's not wet, I might just be wearing the salates, man. I love those things. You're, you're doing a good job of pronouncing that now. Am I? Yeah. I was worried the whole time, honestly. Oh, they even got my boot on there, the little Toros. Yeah. Or Bellator. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, anyways. Zamberland can't say goddamn. Uh, <laughs> no, nah, we have good things about them. Yeah, we're really. I was actually. I wore my uh, hunting boot, my Bell Torres, uh, last night. I mean, the kids wanted to go for a walk, so I put those on just to get those broke in a little bit more because mm-hmm. I haven't worn those as much as my Salates. So, yeah, you know, they're great. Um, 
And they really are. I mean, the highest quality boot I've ever touched in my life. Yep. Yeah, for uh, sure. That's, it's from a hunting perspective. If I, you at one point in time in my life, I owned a, like a five hundred and twenty dollars pair of fireman boots. So, right. And how long do those last you? Do you remember? Um, they those damn soles would wear out before the boot did. Did they? Yeah. I mean, um, what were they? I, I don't remember what they were. But yeah. uh, anyway, uh, check them out. Zamberland ZamberlandUSA dot com. Mm-hmm. Uh, awesome stuff. Uh, Huntworth Gear. Gonna be using our stuff this weekend up there. That's for sure. Yeah, it's gonna. It's totally different. Last year we almost needed our mid season up there because it was cold. Yeah, it was like fifty something degrees and misting and misting. It was kind of a nasty day, but this year it's gonna be hot, so we're gonna be wearing our light stuff. You know, it's gonna be a workout perfect. So, yep. Huntworth Gear, uh, check them out. Huntworthgear.com. Use the code MWW15 for fifteen percent off uh, your order. Mm-hmm. Habitat works. Summertime. I wonder what Dustin's doing right now. He's been doing well. I know he was working over in Kansas. He's got a grapple. Bit. He does have a grapple. Did you check out his Instagram story? Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. got a grapple now. Yeah, he's got a grapple. But he he was working uh, doing some work for the Kansas Department. I'm pretty sure he was messing with their forestry mulcher and stuff like that. So you he, know what I think he's doing? What is he doing? I think he's probably just sitting there wondering. I wonder why Micah hasn't called me yet. <laughs> I knew you were going to say it. You were going to say it. Because he said he was going to He said he was going to call. Out. I know. And, and I here it have. is, end of May, and he hasn't I called me. I should have. And now I just feel like I I just feel bad. Because <laughs> 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 honestly, I just don't know when I don't have the time to do it. You make the time for the things that are priority for you. Do you hear that, Dustin? Micah's not making you a priority, and I'm upset for you. I'm sorry. Anyway, Dustin's awesome. Um, does great timber stand improvement. Really, not a time to be doing it right now. Uh, forestry mulching, mapping, planning. Now's a great time to have him out and planting food plots and you yeah, know, I would pre-planning think, for this year. I would think yeah, now would be like the pre-planning stuff because you know turkey eggs are on the ground. If they're not, are they hatched yet? Do you have any idea? But uh, a lot of little fawns. Uh, see, it's May thirtieth. But anyways. I would think they'd hatch by now. That's a great question. But anyways, what I'm getting at is... I would say they probably are. There's a lot of small stuff out there that you don't want to run over while you're doing work. So I would suggest maybe holding off on your mowing and clipping and doing all that. Yep. Fawns are laid up, hiding from everything. So maybe wait a little bit. So I don't think he would be doing much cutting right now. I doubt it. As far as that goes. But maybe you're thinking about selling your timber and he can come out there and uh, give you some... uh, Give you some news on it. So give them a call, 816-752-7390. Habitat Works Facebook page. Just search them. HabitatWorksLLC at gmail.com. Get a hold of them. Mention our show when you call them, and you can get 15% off any of his services. Perfect. Which is awesome because, you know, depending on what you do with them, that can save you quite a bit. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then last but not least, Black Ovis. Yep, I just actually got done doing an arrow build. What is it that you just did? You used their, their uh, arrow ID customizer, did you not? I did. It took me. It was super easy to use. Oh, that, that was the main thing because they break it down. You start at the beginning. I use. You, I shoot you, Black you Eagle pick, arrows. You picked a brand first. Yeah, I picked my brand. Okay, so that's the the first thing. Honestly, let's go through the brands they offer: Carbon Express, Gold Tip, Victory, Easton, Black Eagle, and Bloodsport. Yeah, top. I, on, I honestly don't know of another one. I, 
I'm sure they're out there, but those are your top those are your top brands for sure. What are TKOs? They're a type of what do you mean? Are they a brand or are they a a model of one of these? Are you where you seeing TKO? I've just heard of TKO TKO arrows before. I'm not sure. But anyways, so anyway. you pick your brand, then you go in there and you get your specific arrow. Like I shoot Black Eagle Rampages. Go in there, pick my Rampages. I pick what style, like you can, you know, plus or minus three inch or plus or minus one inch. I went with the one inch. Ounce. Ounce, whatever. But anyways, so you go to that and then it just goes from there. Do you want inserts? Do you want uh, wraps? Do you want what flexions you want? They got a handful of different stuff. I think that probably took me the longest was what type of color scheme <laughs> and what fletch i style i wanted so you woman uh, well now that you say that guess what guess what color scheme you I went with pink i went with pink and black <laughs> you like pink man dude i still I, I like the pink i don't know why but that crap pops for me when it's out there it pops so if, whenever i'm make a bad shot and it's laying in the grass by, by one of my targets i'm like okay yeah that's pink i can see it you know it's, it's funny like when we first started fletching our own stuff back when we uh-huh. like, started fletching our own arrows i did i like like black and red and red white and blue and like all uh-huh. these cool colors i straight up do white now like yeah. it's the easiest for me to see or neon green yep and i don't care if they're all the same color the the wrap can be white. I don't even care. Like it's funny how we used to be like so worried about Very what they look like. But I mean, obviously, if someone's building them for you, you might as well make went, them look how I you mean, want. I mean, I went all out. I wanted you know, I it, they're going to look freaking sweet whenever they get here. So and you can actually do a rush order too if you want. Like if you're in a hurry and need to get them quick, I think you can if, scroll down to the bottom. Yeah, build, build speed. Yeah, you yeah. can actually do your build speed. You can get it done in two to three days. I wouldn't recommend that, by the way. What I would recommend is start doing this stuff now. Yeah, like Micah just did. Get your get your arrows in. It's uh, by the time you guys hear this show, it's going to be basically June. Uh, it's time to like you should be shooting. You yep. should shoot all the time. You should shoot your bow year round. Yeah, which I need which to. I haven't done as good of a job as I have in the past, but. Um, you know, it's it, you should be out there. So it's a great time to be doing this. Um, what did you go with on Fletches? Go to them. I'm pretty sure I went with the AEE. I went with. Look at the. Uh, look at the stealth Black Ovis Max Stealth. This one here, I think. Oh, it doesn't. No, it will. It should pop up. Well, I didn't pick anything else yet. Though, oh, so okay. I don't know yeah, that was, but yeah, it'll actually show you. Like it'll show picture. you what wrap you got and what fletching and stuff. So it's pretty sweet. It's yeah, pretty that's cool. Nice. Pretty good deal. It's super easy to use. Yeah. So that's pretty sweet. So you know, go build yourself a dozen arrows. Or what did it tell you? How many you had to do? Like a minimum. I think you you can do six. You can do six too. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. Confident. So you can save a little. I did bit a dozen. There. So. So do that, and then use the code MWW10 for 10% off your order when you go do it. Yep, that'll save you some there for sure. It'll save you 10%. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's get into the show. Let's uh, let's learn some fishing. Yeah, let's, fishing let's tips. get into it with Lee Kleinow of Freshwater Bite and Michigan Life Outdoors. This is the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast.
Okay, with us tonight, fellow Sportsman's Empire Network podcaster, Lee Kleinow. Lee, what's up, man? What's up, fellas? How we doing? Doing good. Doing good. I'm, w- I'm wishing this rain would stop. We've gotten rain the last few days. It's been pretty boring at work. Can't get, yeah, can't we, get nothing done. We just got smoked with rain the last two days, and, like, the mosquitoes are loving it, right? So they hatch, and I'm out there trying to hook up the camper for this weekend to go up for the holiday weekend. And they're just eating me alive. So I was like, this is something I haven't felt in a while, so i got to get used to that again. Yep, yep, yep. Hey, we haven't even started yet. We haven't even had Lee introduce himself, and I'm already going to go off into a rabbit hole. <laughs> go ahead, do it. I posted on our Instagram uh, stories today asking a question about uh, Sawyer's permethrin. I said, I asked, does anybody use it? Is it good? And because I've heard over and over, you should use Sawyer's permethrin, permethrin on ticks. You'll never have a tick on you again. And I bet we got, what, 20-plus replies. Yeah, saying it's awesome. Dude, it's legit. I haven't had a tick on me in five years. You know, I don't know about mosquitoes, what it – I mean, I think it's, it's, it's free or close. Okay, still keeps them away. So I ordered a bottle of it today. I've never heard of that in my life, dude. So you should look it up. Sawyer's is the brand. Sawyer's okay. is not – that's just – that's not pri- – pri- pri- what's, what's the word? Proprietary. Proprietary. It's just the brand, but the actual product is called permethrin. Okay. You can get it on Amazon. Yeah. It ain't cheap, though. That's the problem. Yeah, it's not. I'm not going to grow like like another head or anything like that if I put it (laughs) on. I can't guarantee. I haven't done any clinical trials. (laughs) Yeah. We haven't tried it yet. (laughs) Well, you're not supposed to put it on your skin. What you do is you treat your clothing. Oh, okay. So, like, you'll lay your clothes out, and you spray your clothes down, let it dry, and then it's supposed to – any tick – comes on it will die well i don't know about you guys but in michigan now we've got that um that dang uh lone star tick oh yeah 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 we've had that so that's better than not being able to eat red meat i'd rather grow something else exactly uh, okay be able to eat red meat anymore so actually i'm sold my brother-in-law me and mike are going up north this weekend to hunt some coyotes and uh my brother-in-law is going with us he got bit by a tick long time ago he was younger and he was in the hospital for like two weeks and i don't know that he was ever close to death but it messed him up pretty 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 good from a tick bite yeah and i've gotten lyme disease before have you really yeah i didn't know that yeah i learn new things about you every day (laughs) uh, to to my understanding it just kind of like drains you right you're just kind of like tired all the time you know what i mean like you feel weak um, family friend of ours got it. Um, she was bow hunting. She's like the most diehard bow hunter ever. She like crawls, puts in stalks. So she was crawling through the woods to stalk this deer. And, uh, she thinks that's when she got it. Right. So she said it, it was a tick that she had. She took it off a couple of days later. And, you know, after that she got Lyme disease, but thankfully she's doing great. But do you, it's what do we you st- always have that? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it stays with you. Really? Yeah, it does. It's something that. You just got to kind of manage. I think once you kind of kick it with a bunch of antibiotics, you're you're more of just like, you know, asymptomatic with it. But hmm. it can flare. I, it's my understanding it can flare up. But then again, we're not doctors, right, guys? So Right. You know, I mean, I had it. <laughs> I got it one time. I got it treated pretty quick because as soon as it, what happened, it'll, it'll bite you. And then once you pull the tick off, eventually there will be like a ring around where it bit you. Right. So yeah. as soon as I noticed that, I'm like, okay, I'm going straight to the doctor. Went straight there, got on the meds, whatever it was, and, I mean, I felt bad for a few days, and I haven't had any flare-ups since, and that was probably two years ago or something like that. So it, it didn't it didn't affect me too bad. My brother had it, 
as well. And I think he got pretty sick for a little bit. So yeah, mm-hmm. well, lesson. I mean, they're out right now, so my I've already picked off three off my dog. So yeah, I'm, I'm be aware. I'm done with them. I'm done with them. Okay, so uh, four minutes into this recording, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we can finally have you introduce yourself. Um, okay. So Lee, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you. Um, you're from Michigan, so right. um, why don't you just tell us your favorite thing about the outdoors, mm-hmm. and then we'll get into uh, what you do on the Sportsman's Empire Network. I'm also, by the way, I'm really proud that I'm saying the right name. Yeah, you're doing a great job. Thank you for uh, <laughs> taking the time to learn it. Uh, so yeah, my name is Lee Kleino, and um, you know, I guess uh, reside here in the state of Michigan. Lived here um, most of my life. Did a little stint in Michigan or in Ohio for a few years, but um, here, uh, you know, what I love about the outdoors, I can just say for me, it's a couple things. One, it's a release for me. It's like, uh, like everyone's got their therapies or, you know, what they do, like exercise is great. Obviously I, I exercise, but what the, the release or the therapy that always happens to me is the outdoors. It's where I can go to clear my mind. I can put a lot of things aside. Um, I think you guys can relate too, but, uh, you know, I've done some hunts in Alaska, Montana, things like that in backcountry up on a mountain and you got a lot of time to think. And when you're in the outdoors, I always tell my wife this, I always come back a better husband, a better father, a better person, a better employee, a better friend. Cause you could just have a lot of time to reflect on it. And I don't know if there's anything like that out there for folks or anyone listening to this, but it, for me, it's just that therapy release and, and it's something that I can share with my kids. So, um, you know, I, I'm also excited. That's the second part of this is, uh, you know, obviously to spend time with them in the outdoors and we love it. So Michigan is a, is an outdoorsman's uh, playground, right. With all the water surrounding us. Um, we've got some thick timber, we've got some good deer hunting in Southern Michigan, Northern Michigan. So, and any given weekend, there's always something to do, no matter what time of the year it is, too. So uh, that's what I love about it. Yeah. What's what's cool, you said that about, you know, going out to Alaska. It's interesting because we go out west every year to Colorado, and where we go, there's no cell phone service. And so you're, you're just alone with your thoughts. And it's funny, uh, not to be, like, sappy about it or anything, and I don't know how, like, you handled, like, your first year out there, right? I thought about my wife and kids more than I did hunting almost Totally. when I was alone. And I'm like, I thought I would not like not even think about them while I'm out here. Like this is a whole new experience for me, but you get, you get to where like day two, I was missing the hell out of them. And I'm like, I wonder what they're doing right now. I wish I could talk to her. And I'm like, well, it's, it's weird. Cause you don't think about that when you're right there with them the whole time. Then as soon as you go away and you can't talk to them, that's all you think about. Right. It's, uh, inter- it's interesting to be alone with your own thoughts. That's for sure. Yeah. It's a good time to call yourself out on your own bull crap, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. for sure. So Lee actually has uh, two different podcasts on our network. Uh, he's got the Freshwater Bite podcast, which is kind of what we're going to be a little more uh, subject matter in t- tonight. Sure. Uh, and he's also got the Michigan Life uh, outdoors podcast uh so why don't you just tell everybody about a little a little bit about those two and then uh we'll just talk about some fish yeah so um i'll start with the michigan life outdoors podcast that's one that uh just like it sounds like uh it's a it's a podcast that i do with some local buddies around here um down here in, in southeast michigan and we talk we try to talk about everything that we're doing no matter what time of the year it is here in the state of michigan 
Um, we try to keep it relative to, you know, what you can do here in the state. But like many hunters out there and, and, and outdoors, outdoorsmen is, you know, we also talk about the things that we inspire to do or trips that we plan and things out of West. Like if we head out West, because, you know, Midwesterners like, like us, when we head out West, we're, we have a different perspective on what that is. We plan differently. Um, so we just kind of talk about that kind of stuff. If, if there's people out there that have been always wanting to do that, hopefully they find some kind of inspiration from our podcast or at least tips and things like that to go out there and do it. But, um, you know, we talk about everything on our podcast from fishing to morale hunting to deer hunting, um, waterfowl, ice fishing. I mean, you name it. We, uh, we do it here in the state of Michigan. So we talk about a lot of stuff around what we're doing, uh, no matter what time of the year it, it is in Michigan. And then my second podcast, since the one I started uh, four and a half years ago, the Freshwater Bite podcast, that is more specifically just all on fishing. That's one that I started by myself. Um, that's where I cut my teeth in the podcasting world and kind of like figured this whole thing out. And uh, yeah, that's the one um, that, uh, you know, I, I really find myself, you know, getting a lot of interaction from people and having them ask questions about different types of bite and fishing and stuff like that. That's out there. I've interviewed people from Arizona, uh, Colorado, all over the country, um, biologists, all that kind of stuff to have on there. So that one's a little bit more spread out and sporadic, but it all revol- you know, revolves around fishing. So you're, uh, you're kind of like one of the OGs. Kind of. Yeah. I wonder, I, mean, I, I wonder got... like as far as time, where your podcast is in the line of podcasts on our network. Obviously like the nine finger Chronicles sure. is going to be, I think so get this. So I think when we started, I remember having jumping on calls and stuff like that, just to kind of talk about where, you know, where Dan would get us all together. And I remember, um, what was now bear grease, right? Yeah. Yeah. W- yeah. Was, um, what's his name? I'm trying to blank it on his um, name right now. Gosh, I know it. To the tip of my tongue. From Arkansas. Media? Um, yeah, it's not mediator. Yeah, I don't remember. He he left the network right as we were coming. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember him being on email threads back in the day and stuff like that. And he had this. He had a bear hunting magazine. Yeah. Then it, then he had bear hunting podcasts and stuff like that. So um, cool dude. And uh, yeah, so I've been around for a while and um, uh, kind of seen it evolve and all the hard work Dan puts into it. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun. That's cool. You know, and and. I don't know about like your Michigan Life Outdoors podcast, but with with us, we we love talking about stuff we love to do, and I mean that's just natural, right? You're going to naturally talk about things that you enjoy. But one of our honestly, one of our most favorite things is to talk about subjects that we aren't ex- we're not experts in anything, but we're not comfortable in. Let's say that, right? Like, um, I'm not comfortable talking about uh, smallmouth bass fishing. Because sure. guess how many times I've done that in my life? How many? Zero. <laughs> so, Clay Newcomb, by the way. It just yes, yeah. thank you. Yep. Yeah. And um, so we, we like talking about like different subjects that almost, you know, expand our, our knowledge on things. Um, you know, bear hunting, for instance. We know nothing that, about it. We don't know anything about it. It became legal in the state of Missouri for the first time last year. Awesome. Um, you, had to, you have to draw for it, but... So we, we talked to some biologists about it. We talked to um, one of the first people to ever harvest a beer, bear in our state. Harvest There's lots of people that harvest beers in our state. I was going to yeah. say, that, or a beer, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it was just cool to talk about something that you're not necessarily um, a professional, a, a pro in, or um, I don't want to even say that because we're not even pros in anything. But uh, I'm a pro at not being a pro. Is that a thing? 
I guess, yeah. There you go. So, Wait, yeah. Yeah, I think that's cool about the outdoors, though, right? Because it allows us to grow. It keeps us interested in new things. Um, not that you would ever get burnt out on it, but you challenge yourself to try new things. And, you know, I think the outdoors is a great way to do that, to to try different things. And that's awesome that you guys are able to now pursue bears and that, you know, something like that would definitely push you guys. Definitely would. Yeah. Um, and one of the topics, honestly, that we're not huge people in, we all love fishing, but we don't get to do it very often. We, uh, as we talked about before we recorded, uh, we all have full-time jobs. We all have families. We're all ba- busy. The summertime, which is a really, uh, a big fishing time is typically really personally busy for all of us. Uh, Andy's a farmer, so he's busy planning and, you know, working on fields and stuff like that this time of year. Uh, my job gets really busy in the month of May and, Ju- May and June. And uh, then my kids all play 17 different sports. Micah gets busy this time of year. So fishing doesn't get to happen very often. Sure. And so as a result, we don't talk about it near as much. Right. Our Our fishing consists of going out into the back pond and, you know, catching a few crappie. Yeah. Maybe some bass, you know, bluegill. A lot of bluegill. We catch a lot of bluegill <laughs> around my house. Nothing wrong with that. No, no. The kids love it. So, I mean, that's what we do. We we take the kids out, and instead of fishing for ourselves, it's baiting hooks constantly. I've <laughs> learned I've learned not to take a pole anymore for myself. Yeah, you just you're never gonna you're never gonna get one single cast out without without something going wrong with somebody else. You know, my my oldest son, he's he's pretty well self sufficient. He's actually teaching me quite a bit because he's pretty ate up with fishing. And he's pretty good at it. And he's pretty good at it. And uh, he actually is teaching me things. Like, well, this is this is a spin caster, and this is why I use this. And I'm like, dude, cool. Like, it's shiny. Teach me. Yeah, like it's shiny and green. That's what I thought before, right? Like, <laughs> um, and, you know, but my other son, he doesn't have a really high patience level, and then my youngest is way too young. And so I just, I never, never fish on my own. But... It's a really enjoyable hobby for many, many people. Uh, not even, you know, people who are doing it for competition or any other reasons, just to go fishing. It's one of the few things I can do. Honestly, right behind deer hunting, fishing might be the next thing that calms me down the most. Sure. You know, because coyote hunting is a totally different type of enjoyment for me. I don't get calm coyote hunting. <laughs> I'm, I'm amped up ready it's, to yeah it's you know that's a different type of fun for for us yeah deer hunting i'd, ima- I'd imagine you gotta be on point with coyote hunting. yeah yeah you gotta yeah. pay attention i mean you can't slack you know there's right. 30 minutes or however long you're calling for whatever you, you got to be on point yeah so deer hunting i can definitely relax and enjoy my time out with mother nature but right behind it is probably fishing where i can just you know take a deep breath and Think about what's going on in the world. Think about what's going on in my life and just fish. It's one of the few things that actually does calm me. Don't get to do it very often. Um, but and, and you got a podcast that talks about it. So, like, that's something that's pretty big into your life, I'm guessing, is is fishing. Yeah, it is. It's uh, it's something I've been doing, you know, ever since I can remember, uh, you know, having a pole in my hand and, you know, trying to, trying to keep up with my older brother. And, you know, he would catch bigger fish and i just remember like he'd wheel in the bass and man for me i'd go into like that mindset where i wasn't coming in until i caught a bass either as equal size or bigger 
and I'd be out there at dark. Everyone else is in, he's inside, you know, <laughs> up in the cottage and enjoying himself. And, you know, I remember being out there as a kid and my dad telling me, he's like, Lee, you got, you got to come in now because it's dark. You're six years old and I don't trust you on the dock. I'll buy the water <laughs> anymore. And I just remember being so mad. I'd wake up early the next day and get back out there. It's just, it's something to me that, uh, you know, really helped me appreciate the outdoors and in, in a weird way, um, help me be competitive. I don't know why that is. It, it, it doesn't have to be that way, but for me, it was like, I could always improve and always get better and all that kind of stuff. And it's something that you can work on by yourself. So yeah, cool. No, I get it. Uh, what do you, what are you guys into right now up there? What are, what are the fish that are hot? Yeah. So being in uh, Michigan and more specifically where I'm at in Southeast Michigan, um, kind of like out in Dundee area, which is out in the cornfields here, but we're close to uh, Lake Erie. So uh, we just got done with the, uh, um, the big running of the walleye. I'm not sure if you guys have ever heard of that in the Detroit river. Um, Lake Erie is probably the best place in the world where you can go to catch big fish and catch a lot of fish. Um, I remember talking to a biologist one time I had him on the podcast. He said, if if people went out in the state of Michigan and they all caught their limits every single day, it still wouldn't make a dent in the population of walleye that's in Erie. Jeez. Yeah. So, um, so what we just got done with for me personally was, uh, you know, doing the river run, um, and then doing the pre-spawn, um, walleye. Usually that happens around, uh, beginning of, uh, April, maybe even into end of March, depending on the weather when you get out there. Um, but it's big water fishing. So it's a different kind of thing. You got to really watch the weather, you know, water temperatures are still, in the high thirties, low forties, which obviously, you know, you gotta be safe out there. Cause you, you go overboard, you're, you're in trouble. So, um, we just got done with that. Uh, the fisher have moved into post-spawn. Um, so they're putting back on the feedback right now. So I've been doing a lot of walleye fishing and, uh, at, you know, coincidentally enough that you guys got me on here to talk about uh, a little bit of crappie and bass fishing. That's where we're kind of switching to now. So, nice. uh, um, temperatures are warmed up on the inland lakes. Um, so yeah, we've been we could targeting that, and I can kind of go into some crappie techniques and what yeah, they're doing if you want to do that. Well, I want to stay on walleye for a second because sure, you know I've never I've never fished for a walleye before. Okay, um, I don't think we really have them here here, but I know there is a lake in Missouri. Is it Truman? It might be Truman. We've got a lake in Missouri. I think it's Truman. Our listeners are screaming at yeah. their radio right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, maybe it's Palm. Maybe it's Palm. <sighs> I can't remember. Yeah, it's, I can't remember which one. Anyway, let's just go with Truman. One of our lakes has good walleye fishing. Okay. And uh, I've always wanted to have somebody on who's a big walleye fisher, you know, down there and talk about what it's like, you know, in our state. Because, um, you know, walleyes are freaking badass-looking fish. And they're delicious. <laughs> and uh, So good. You know, it'd be cool to know, like, the tricks on fishing. I keep saying hunting, almost saying hunting. Fishing one of those instead of you know like a crappie or a bass but um what is what is the running of the walleye you said in the detroit yeah so the running of the walleye is there's a migration right so from eastern uh lake erie the fish start to make their way back to the western basin is what it's called and that usually happens all throughout winter they're slowly making their way kind of like back over to the west side and then you know they typically wait for that water temperature to be in the low forties or so. And they start to run up the, the river, excuse me. So when they go up there, it's the females first, they go up there and they drop their eggs. 
and then the male run males run up thereafter to obviously um you know impregnate or fertilize the eggs and then you know that's it and then they start after that to make their way back east again so mm. in the summertime they're all migrating back east to go back that way so when they come up the rivers to spawn it is your best time to probably get what we call a wall hanger right you can get your 10 to 12 to 13 pound walleye um, a lot of people come from all over the United States. I mean, you, it, if you go in April and you jig the Detroit river, you've got license plates as far West as Colorado, a lot of Missouri in there actually. Sure. Um, Iowa, uh, everybody comes up there to, to kind of hang out for a week or two and, and, you know, get their fill of walleye, fill the freezer up. Um, but yeah, so that's the big running of the walleye. That sounds like, like trout behavior. It is. It's very similar to that. They need current. Huh. Um, they lay their rocks a lot of, t- or I'm sorry, they lay their eggs a lot of the times in rocks, like, uh, just shale and things like that, which a lot of the Detroit river is made up of. And, um, so it's a pretty cool thing. They're really stacked up in there. It's very easy to catch them. Um, it, it, especially for anglers who might not know how to catch them in the open water or in inland lakes. If you want to come up, uh, April and May, actually, even like the first two to three weeks of May, like, like last week or the week before, you could still up, come up here and, and fill your freezer up with a lot of meat and take it back home. So um, it's a great time to, to get a lot of walleye in the freezer, that's for sure. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, you told me more about walleye than I've ever known. So It's, yeah. it's fun, man. Yeah. I mean, that's that's probably my first love, to be honest with you. Like, It's the reason why I bought a big you know, fiberglass boat, to get out on the big water to catch walleye. So, Do you all have pike, too? Oh, yeah. Yeah, lots of pike, northern pike. When I was younger, um, we went up to, I think it was... Minnesota, yeah, Minnesota, and uh, did some pike fishing for a week, and that was yeah. one of the best trips ever. I mean, it was awesome. Oh, there's so much fun. I mean, you can tell obviously when you get a pike on there, right? Yeah, I mean, so, just crazy fight, just a yeah. crazy fight. So, and that's the cool thing about the Detroit River. So, the Detroit River, you can catch pike, you can catch muskie, and the really cool thing, if you guys have ever heard of them before, is a lot of guys catch sturgeon. Yeah, yeah, we got sturgeon. Yep. Yeah, so sturgeon, you know, are prehistoric. There's, they've been around since the dinosaurs, so it's pretty cool when you pour one of those things up. I mean, you think you got a snag and you're pulling up a log, and a lot of those fights last. It's not, it's very common for those things to last over an hour. Wow. That's that's so, cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's totally different than the type of fishing that I'm used to. Like I said, I don't, I can't tell you the last time I've been on a lake fishing, even even oh, a man. lake, not even Lake Erie. I mean. We Missouri's got a lot of lakes. We do. We have got a lot of awesome water, um, some beautiful lakes, some absolutely beautiful lakes, um, but not that size. <laughs> you know that, that's that's different. Uh, I've only seen one of the the Great Lakes one time actually. I was out, up working in Michigan near Kalamazoo. Oh, okay, yeah, you're on the west side. And the dude I was working with, we had to go somewhere and. We're at this place, and you know we're, we're probably a hundred yards off. And he looks over there, and he's like, "Hey, you see that?" And I'm like, "Yeah, what is it?" Well, that's the Great Lakes. <laughs> and yeah, that's the closest <laughs> I've ever been to a Great Lake in my life. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the cool thing about the West Side, right? It's a totally different fishery. Um, I used to live in Northwest Michigan in a town called Traverse City. If anybody listening to this, yeah, uh, that's where that's where the guy I work with lives. Oh, Traverse City. Yeah, we were yeah. in Kalamazoo. He lives in Traverse City. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I lived up there for five and a half years and uh, talk about beautiful, just like Caribbean style water, you know, completely clear. But the west side of Michigan and Lake Michigan is more known for the salmon fishing and lake trout fishing. Hmm. So a lot of people don't know, but uh, there's salmon in the Great Lakes um, and they were 
they were transplanted there from uh, Pacific Northwest. Uh, we've got Coho and Kings. Um, and they came in because they needed to control the owlwife population. So back in the 60s, I'm going to give you guys a little history lesson hey, real quick. It's fine with me. Sorry to oh, bore you. Uh, but anyways, back in the 60s, owlwives is like a bait fish. And there were so many of them in Lake Michigan that they were washing the shore, dying and stinking up the beaches so bad. Oh. And the tourists wouldn't come up there to vacation anymore. And it was really hurting the uh, the towns up there and the, the towns that depend on tourists. So the DNR were kind of went to the drawing board and didn't know what to do. So they introduced um, salmon to it. They um, coho and uh, uh, and king salmon. And uh, when they introduced them, they just took off. They took care of the population. They thrived in the environment. They could swim up, swim up the rivers to spawn. And really, it, it helped boost those towns even more. And now they solely, for the most part, rely on the summer and the king salmon and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, those, those towns have, have you know, been built a lot of the times on the money that comes in from everyone going up to the fish for salmon. So it's been pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, yep. I'm sure we could talk for days about the Great Lakes and yeah, all sorry. the stuff. All the stuff I you don't can tell know about. I'm a little about passionate about the Great. No, that no, I get it. On it, like I said, I would almost do that. Right, like <laughs> yeah. I don't know anything about the Great Lakes other than they're huge, and that's it. You know, right, and cool. every time I hear somebody talk about them, well, number one, I hear the passion they have for it. Um, you know, a lot of times they're living around there or whatever, and just the cool things that they tell me about it. I'm like, man, that would be lots of fun. It'd be fun to know? go check out. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a bucket list thing, but my bucket list is really freaking long is the problem. So, Well, anytime you guys want to come up, you're welcome to my boat. We I need to figure that. out how to be working up there in April sometime, and then I can call Lee and be like, hey, I'm up here working. Guess what? I have free every night. <laughs> That's <laughs> <Some> right. <time." laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously down here for our folks, um, it, crappie and, and bass are – They've already been kind of hot. I mean, crappie, I see posts every single day of spreads of crappie. Yeah, everybody getting their limit. Yeah, and, um, you know, bass fishing is really, really p- picking up. Uh, I can only tell myself just from my son because my son fishes every chance he gets. In the last two weeks, he has been hammering bass in our pond. Sure. Um, and he's seeing, you know, they're, they're smacking stuff on top water now where he used to be going deeper for him. So it's definitely uh, picking up, at least in my area. Um, so let's talk about a little bit about just, let's just start with crappie, I guess. And yeah, what, what do you enjoy about crappie fishing, uh, in the first place? Well, one, they taste really good. And, mm. uh, two, when they're on fire, they're on fire. Kind of like, you know, if you compare it to, you know, like a walleye run. So the cool thing about crappie is they fight very well. Um, they are, uh, depending on the time of year, it can be challenging to catch, right? So the, the I don't know if anybody knows this, but listening to, uh, you know, uh, the avid crappie angler would know that sometimes they're called paper mouths, yeah. which means they yeah, got a re- very, very fragile mouth, very paper thin. And uh, when you hook them, they can take you for a ride and they can come off somewhat easily. So you got to, like, when you get crappie you got to really finesse them in so i kind of enjoy the fight of that kind of getting them in and landing a big crappie um but you know this time of year let's just talk about let's let's just call it pre-spawn or spawn season right now for the crappie that's probably why you guys are seeing them so hot and heavy on social media or people posting or whatever it is because they're all spawning so this time of year you know you're looking at drowned river mouse um 
inland lakes with structure, all that kind of stuff, uh, warmer temperatures, right? So where we're going to find those is we're going to find those more in the shallows. Mm-hmm. So the other cool thing about this time of year and to catch crappie is you can you don't need a boat for it. A lot of the times you can just go out on a dock or you can cast from shore, and that's a great way to catch them. So a lot of people think that they got to be in a boat to catch fish. You don't have to be. And I think that's a reason why they're pretty popular. Um, I know up here in the state of Michigan, but it's probably pretty popular down by you guys as well it's because a lot of people can catch them from shore. Yep. So typically they're in that. I would almost I would almost say it's more popular. I would almost say it's more popular than bass, largemouth. Eh, I don't know. I, I mean, th- you're never probably going to overtake bass fishing just because of the show a bass can put on. Sure. And you know how big they get compared to a crappie. Even oh. though crappie can get huge, but as a state of Missouri, I'm pretty sure we're known for our bass fishing. Though. Oh, for sure. But like around here, we got some people who just straight up crappie, crappie, crappie. You know, there's a dude we know that um, just east of us that seems like that's all he's ever doing. Sure. And for me, the crappie is go- absolutely gorgeous, um, whether it's the white or the black. You know, we have predominantly white crappie here. Okay. Um, uh, we There are some black crappie, um, and you can definitely – I think they're prettier in general. But, you know, like to me, they almost look like I'm a huge fan of digital camo. Yeah. And a crappie almost looks like digital camo. Yeah, that's so a great way to describe it. That's why I think they're so gorgeous is, you know, they kind of remind me of digital camo when I'm looking at them. Yeah, so the the cool thing about them too is, uh, like you said, we have predominantly black crappie up here, so it's a little that's bit interesting. Different. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, what would you say, Micah? Like almost every pond, if you're going to have crappie, they're I, probably I've white. never seen a black crappie in so, person. Yeah, in person, yeah, yeah. There's just more of that black and like emerald green color yeah, kind yeah, of thing, right? You know? um, but yeah, but they behave the same, so that's cool. So it's a, it, it's an overlap, no matter where you're at, you can fish them the same way. Um, but when they're in that shallow six to 10 feet of water right now, they're kind of targeting like a, it really turns up like when the water temperature gets around in the sixties, I'd say. And that's kind of like your game. Like you should be, if you're going to be targeting them, try to track that water temp. That's the best way to do it. It's going to take a little while to get there, especially coming from the spring. Mm -hmm. But uh, the best thing to do is find if it's a bigger lake and it's, it's a natural lake, find where like, little creeks come in or little rivers kind of dump into the lake because that's going to be bringing the warmest water, um, especially coming from winter uh, and and into spring. So if you can target those areas to start, a lot of the times those areas get a lot of like uh, weeds and a lot of brush blown down from the rivers and stuff like that. So there's Mm -hmm. a lot more structure right there. And that's what those crappie like. They like to relate to to structure. I, I call them the Christmas ornaments. I always say like, imagine a christmas tree <laughs> and if you if you're floating over the top of it and you're marking fish around that tree most likely it's going to be crappie they're like the ornaments hanging on the tree and you're usually like in a big school of fish so when you when you find them you stay on them because you can catch a whole bunch and fill a bucket up pretty quick and then they kind of move off and then you got to find them again but um yeah do they, so do they stick that, together in general they do. Yeah, do they really yeah, yeah they stay okay. in schools they See. stay in schools together that's that's why I'm saying they're like those ornaments on the tree. So when you see a tree down there, if you can see visibly down in the water, springtime's a great time to you probably have the best water clarity in the springtime to see down there. And if you can see fish swimming around trees and stuff like that, and you've got crappie in the lake, most likely it's gonna be crappie. Hmm. So So then how do you target them? 
you know, from there, I mean, do you have a specific way you like to go after them? We always use, yeah. we always use minnows. We were, I mean, that's yep. how we would do them. So is, is that yep. pretty big up there too? Or do y'all yep. using jigs? Sure. So depending on the time of year, I'd say, it, l- l- let's say it's the beginning of um, kind of like the crappie in the shallow areas. Definitely throw a minnow on there because those fish are um, pre-spawn. And so they're going to be putting on the feed bag a little bit. They're going to be wanting to really eat and minnows is like the best way they can get all their nutrients super quick. Right. So minnows for sure. If you tip a minnow just with a light jig head, almost even like a small um, or like the jig heads that you would throw for uh, like a tungsten jig head for ice fishing, tip it with a minnow, cast it out there. If you want to cast and reel back to the boat, that's fine. Um, The best way to do that is if you can target them by seeing down in the water on a calm day uh, where there's no ripples in the water from the wind or anything like that. Best way to find them is just kind of sit offshore from them, maybe, I don't know, 20 to 15 feet and cast to them. Cause they will spook. If you're over the top of them, they'll kind of, they'll kind of dissipate and kind of, you know, go around from the boat. But if you're from shore or you're in a boat, kind of stay back a little bit for them and cast to them just with a really small jig head and, uh, just live bait with it, which would be a minnow. Um, color for the most part i'll say pink i always use pink for crappie hmm. um seems, seems to be a hot color for for us here up in michigan um but then if you want to switch over to an artificial bait usually it's just like a really small one inch uh twister tail uh grub style um that that'll be like a white body with a pink head or um a pink head with a white and chartreuse body something like that anything bright in colors they're going to go after and you know like i said it's it's going to be hot and heavy for a while what do you mean I, by twister tail twister tail yeah so I'm trying to describe it it's like a let's say it's an inch long it's a little bit thick up towards where the it, where you hook the hook into it and uh-huh. you kind of feed it down and on the bottom it's got like a like a j hook right that's really okay, really yeah, thin and yep, kind of spins yep. and kind of gives action so we call them twister tails up here um, so when you reel it back, it's really going to give that motion, give off those vibrations. And it's going to be something that they like to target, whether it be like a small bug that's hatching down in the mud or something like that. Yeah. They like to go after it. And usually you can, you can smoke them with that. So my son would love asking me asking you this question because sure. he likes to use, um, I'm going to call them spinners because I don't okay. know the technical term, yeah. but it, it's the little metal the little metal thing that Spoon. spins and you know reflects light off of it and makes sound in the water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then he likes to use uh, colorful, you know, whatever they call the little things. Uh, jig heads. Jig heads with the yellow or the pink or whatever yep. uh, fluffy body when it's dry. Mm-hmm. And he likes to do that. Um, I think he's had his most success with crappie doing that. Um, and it might just be, you know, pure luck. Now we're talking about a pond that's an acre and a half big, not on a lake, but um, are those effective for crappie or is he just, you know, causing disturbance and it's, it's getting their attention? No, dude, he's right on. So Northland Tackle will sell this uh, like a, uh, like a, almost like a, a pack that already has these, these things ready to go. Right. So they've got that spinner that you were talking about mm-hmm. when that spinner goes like that, it's going to give off vibrations. Obviously they're going to be really small spinners. And like the spinning spoon is maybe the size of your pinky nail. Yep. And it's giving off vibrations to the fish. So anytime you can give off vibrations to the fish, that's going to one, that's going to attract their attention. And they're so dang hungry and they're so territorial when they're in their spawning pre-spawn 
area, they're going to go after anything that swims by. So if you can get their attention, especially on a neutral bite, let's say they're not going for the live bait, definitely switch it up, throw that spinner on there. That spinner is going to kind of give off that light, all that kind of stuff, give off those vibrations, and it's going to attract those crappies. So your son's like spot on, dude. Not surprising. The kid reads as much as he can about fishing, and, I mean, like I said, he's smarter than me. <laughs> it makes sense. And, I, I mean, it, I, from a logical perspective, uh, our pond is actually a little bit murky. Uh, for whatever reason, I think it's a physical disturbance, so most likely catfish and stuff. But um, it's a little bit murky at times, although you're right right on with spring. It's the most clear it's ever. Uh, like I was down there mowing the other day, and I could look out and see the fish freak out as I was going by and you know yep. take off. And I actually saw one of our grass carp for the first time in probably five years. And I, I glanced over, and I'm like, holy Jesus, that thing is huge now. <laughs> I mean, I bet he's – I bet that grass carp is – ever bit of two and a half foot long oh wow he's huge the cool thing about crappie too is they're real they're pretty aggressive like they don't they don't get pushed around in yeah uh, i mean they're hunters i mean they exactly they're the ones you gotta they're going after everything you know i would would assume besides you know the bigger bass sort of things yeah for a panfish they've got a big mouth on them i mean i'm sure you guys have have seen them and hooked them and you can kind of see what they're after they're not afraid to go after some pretty big baits uh, some big minnows are that you have on there, but they like clear water. Um, you know, so if you can find that clear water, like you were talking about mm-hmm. this time of year, target that clean water before it gets too, uh, you know, muddied up from all the other boats on the lake and people putting in their docks and stuff like that. And the high winds that's, that's going to murky up the waters, but anytime it's clear, man, just get out there. And when you're, when they're biting, you know, even if your significant other's calling you to come home, just be like, hey, it's crappie season. It's going to be a couple minutes. <laughs> it's going to be a little bad. One, one more cast, I promise. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I didn't know that about them liking uh, clear water, uh, which, I mean, makes sense. But did we, didn't we? did we have a bio? Was that a biologist or was that our, our buddy who used to be the professional fisherman who recently retired uh, two years ago or whatever? Doug Vonberg? I don't know what. They question they, you're asking. They talked about uh, fish don't necessarily use their eyesight first. It's it's their their sense of what am I trying movement? Like movement um, yep. Like disturbance in water is almost right. what they use over eyesight, which mm-hmm. t- you know totally threw me off. Like I would have thought their eyes were their their biggest asset, but uh, he was talking about like sounds and disturbance in water is almost more important than being right in front of its face, I guess, or whatever. But Right. And what he's probably talking about there is like they might not be hungry, right? Especially mm-hmm. this time of year when they're when they're spawning. They're more of like, hey, it's a reacting bite where it's like he's ta- like he's talking about they're feeling a vibration. They're feeling they're sensing something that could be threatening to their way of life and what they're trying to preserve, right? Which yeah. is their their offspring. So a lot of the times it's just a reaction bite where they're like they're so pissed off they don't know what it is, but they're going to go after it and bite it to get it the heck out of there, and that's a great way to catch them. Yeah. So if the, if the live bait isn't working where you're throwing it right in front of their face, switch it up, put on something like your son was throwing with that, uh, like a rooster tail or a twister tail with a spinner. Definitely do that because it's going to send those vibrations, and it's going to be something that is out of the norm, especially if it's a little bit windier day mm-hmm. because the water's not calm. Um, if it's getting a little bit murkier down there, they're going to react and just go after it and bite it to get the heck out of there. So yeah, after you said that, I remember him saying it's it's to it's to uh, almost 
uh, cue their defensive reactions. Yep. Uh, now, yep. that after, as soon as you said that, I said, "Yep, I remember he said that too." It's, it's you. You want them to become defensive and attack, like piss them off to the point that they just bite it because they're mad, not because they want to bite it, but because you made them mad. And right. that was uh, I've never thought of that that way. And so, um, good job. But I'm glad to. Uh, that my son's smarter than me. It makes me happy. <laughs> you know what the cool thing is too? A lot of people like they'll get on forums and they want to see like what baits are working or like all that kind of stuff. But what I when when I became a like what I a light bulb went off in my head when it came to fishing was and when this happened when I was a kid was I got to the point where I would buy a book to learn about how the fish lived meaning like their biology, how they, their environments, how they change throughout the year, what they would eat. And if once I better understood the fish and how they survive and like how the seasons and the water temperatures change and where they go, I became a better angler. I didn't, I was so focused on baits and like, what do I got to throw to catch the fish? This is any fish. I'm not just talking crappie, but if there's a fish that you want to target, buy a book that's more of like learning about the biology of the fish and how they live in their environments read up on it. it's gonna it, it might seem boring at first but you're gonna pick up a lot more and be a lot more knowledgeable that then when you go to pick out your bait you can throw things that a lot of people don't even throw and you'll be on a bite and catching fish and people are gonna be like what the heck are you doing and why are you doing it you got to know why you're throwing what you're throwing before you can just throw bait i mean that's kind of like hunting you know you i was gonna say it's very similar it's very similar to deer you know you want to pick out what what that deer is doing that type of year are they more worried about food are they more worried about bedding or you know whatever the case may be so that makes a lot of sense yeah i mean hunters listening to this just dumb it down think about it the same way you hunt like you just said like why are their habitats why are they behaving the way they're behaving that type of year and then once you figure that out, then go after a bait or a plan of attack of how you're going to get them. That's a good, I mean, that's a good bit of advice for literally any outdoorsman, whether it's deer hunting, crappie fishing, small, small mouth walleye. If you understand the animal you're after better, sure. you might have a better chance of killing them. And yeah, you know, that's, it's, that's great advice. It seems really obvious, but a lot of people, when it comes to fishing, they just want to know like, what do I buy to catch fish? It's like time out. What are they doing? Kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause is it December 12th? Right. <laughs> or is exactly it May thirtieth? Right. I mean, there's a big difference between those two dates. Right. Yeah. So you know, just to wrap it up on the crappie, like shallow water, probably for you guys this time of year is still a pretty good bet. And as it gets windier um, and it gets warmer, those fish are going to move out towards the the deeper part of the the lake. So as you go out deeper, try to find like. Um, and you know, in, in Michigan, we call them like sunken islands. Imagine like going out to a deeper part of the lake and you're starting to see like that grass and that weed come up first out in the deeper part of the waters, mm-hmm. start to migrate out a little bit deeper, you know, use your, use your sonar, use your fish finder, your Lorance, whatever you have. And before you, you set up shop target to see where those weed edges are, it's kind of like where a weed edge kind of starts to meet like this the muck or something like that Mm -hmm. stay right on that edge and start to go for them there so they're going to slowly progress out and keep her and you know stay in that cooler water as the temperatures start to go up so so they they prefer structure you know whatever it is trees yep um trees you know we actually had in my pond when we first moved in i got i pretty much eradicated it we had a a weed called pond weed Mm -hmm. so it was a single single tubular thing that came from the uh 
what would you call bottom. it? The bottom of the pond came up and then just had a single leaf that sat almost like a leaf that looked like it fell off a tree and then landed on the the water, right? Just sitting like in li- the water. Like a lily pad? Yeah, but it was only the size of like a my finger almost, right? Gotcha. It was small. Gotcha. And it, it surrounded my entire edge of my pond and went out like eight feet. I mean, it was and – and there were – Hundreds of thousands of them all together. So it was like a solid, almost like lily pads taking over a, a, a piece of a body of water. Yeah. So and just find where they, just find where they stop. And right? that's exactly so, when, now it's gone now, but for crappie, dude, we, we'd hammered them in that first couple of months when we, we first moved in here. Cause you would find them right there on that edge of all that pondweed. And, uh, someone got smart enough to figure out they were right there. So yeah, yeah, made it hard to get them in though, because then you were going through all that crap. Yeah, you're <laughs> but, bringing up ten pounds of crap. Yeah, in Michigan, I mean, I think it's kind of frowned upon, but a lot of people they'll take their Christmas trees when they're done with them, and they'll go out on the ice and they'll leave them out there, and they'll put like a cinder block or time to a rock or something like that, and they'll let them as the ice melts. That Christmas tree will go down, and they'll mark a waypoint of where it's at, and so now they know have like their own little structure out there that some people. People might not know about, and they'll go out there and fish that, and that's where they like to hang by. Oh, yeah. see, our conservation—they ask for Christmas trees. Oh, do they? Yeah, they're I, like, "Hey, I don't know the rules on it, so that's why I said it might be frowned upon." It's hilarious though to hear you say we sit them on top of the ice, like yeah. in Michigan. <laughs> yeah, oh, uh, we sit them on top of the ice to wait for. Like, we don't have ice. Yeah, we like don't that. get that. <laughs> our ice, our our pond will freeze over, or our bodies of water will freeze over. Yeah, for yeah. like a week. And then it gets warm, and then it's you know water again. Like I would, I would never recommend like running out in the middle of a, a pond down here in Missouri because it just doesn't stay cold enough for those long periods to get thick. I don't see, I don't see ice fishers down here. Yeah, no. uh, every once in a blue moon, I will. List. Ice fishing, your, yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, one of our buddies did that this year, um, fellow podcaster, I think Buck and Strutton, uh, down in Southwest Missouri. I don't know where the hell he was doing it. If he was doing it in Southwest Missouri, amazing. Yeah, <laughs> how the hell he was doing that because that's even further south than us. But yeah, like I, I'm like usually for work, I'm in mid Iowa until I start seeing like those huts out on ice or whatever. Shanties, yep. Shanties, sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. So yeah, I don't know the terminology, but yeah, so awesome. That, that's great information on uh, crappies, crappie. Um, we would be remiss not to talk about, you know, the big daddy of them all, largemouth yeah. bass, because um, that's also seems to be um, heating up quite a bit right now. Like I was telling you earlier with my son, seems to be hot here. Um, what do you love about bass fishing? And, and obviously we'll talk about what you you like doing. Yeah. So bass fishing for me is probably – probably how I cut my teeth fishing. Like I said, I'd stand on that dock and and go for the bass. But the big thing every year for us in Michigan is quote unquote bass season always opens typically around Memorial day. Right. So Memorial day weekend bass season opens for us where we can legally keep bass. I don't know if you guys keep bass down there or not, but, um, growing up, I would keep them and eat them. You know, a lot of people frown upon that. They, they think they, they wouldn't eat them, um, up here in Michigan in the colder waters. I think they taste good. Uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, so right now for us, and I, I would imagine for you guys too, is like the spawn for the large mouth. So it's like game on kind of thing. And what they're doing here is the females are coming in, they're laying their eggs. And then typically it's the males that protect the, the, the nest after they lay them. 
So these fish are angry, right? They're super mad. I'm talking like the, anything you throw on at them, they're going to get super pissed about. But even if they're in the pre-spawn, like let's say they're still in pre-spawn for, for everybody right now because for whatever reason, you're going to want to throw like a like a, uh, like a stick bait almost. And typically what you want to throw is um, a, like a floating rapala or something that's going to stay in the water column a little bit higher up and is kind of going to stay in front of their face. So that jerk bait, you're just going to work back to the boat and pre-spawn. It's in the shape of a minnow. Usually natural colors work. Anything that's natural to, you know, the type of bait fish that you have mm-hmm. in your guys' ponds or in your guys' bodies of water. And you're going to jerk that back. But the, the key of, is that it's going to dive first and then it's going to float, right? So it's going to jerk, wheel, 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 jerk, then stop and let it float. And usually on that pause is where those fish are going to come in and try to eat it because they're in the pre-spawn mode. They're trying to put on the feed bag. The females are. And it's the best time of year right now to catch like big bass. Like what you guys, like what I was describing about with the walleye, like the best time to catch a wall hanger, like your best time to catch a wall hanger for largemouth bass is right now. Like you should be targeting those, those shallow waters, targeting those beds and those beds, what they look like on the bottom is just like a, 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 you know, a conjugation of whether that be rocks or sticks or like dead leaves from the winter time or the fall falling into there. And they kind of hang out in that area and they're putting on the feed bag. Now, after those eggs are laid, if you want to target the the fish hanging around there, those are going to be the aggressive males. And for, for that, I like to just throw anything that's going to stay in their face and it's going to float and like almost land right into the bed of that they're protecting. And usually that's just like a, like a crayfish or a crawfish bait mm-hmm. um, that's going to float up reel it in. And when you think you're sightseeing and you're getting to that area where that bed might be, let it fall and let it kind of sink down and let it touch bottom. Um, the thing that you want is you're going to want to probably put on a, a leader or some kind of um, line that's going to allow you to feel that bite when they pick it up. Cause a lot of times they'll pick it up off the bottom. And if you have a stretch on there, like a mono or something like that, you might not feel it. But if you do um, like a braided bait or, or a braided line, or like a floral carbon that has a little bit less, but a little bit more sensitivity that, that, that energy transfer will go up into your rod. That's what you're going to want to put on this time of year because they might be picking that bait up off the bottom to guard that nest. And it's just, you know, throwing on that crawl dad or that crawfish bait and uh, yeah, really working it back towards the boat is what I would recommend right now. The other thing that you can do, I'm really going into, I hope I'm not boring you guys too no, much. No, nope. no, this is great. I'm got- <laughs> you're literally <laughs> telling me new things every every time your mouth opens up, so I'm good with it. <laughs> yeah. So the other thing that I like to do um, is uh, like a finesse worm, typically, and uh, what I do with that is just uh, um, it's called drop shotting. I'm not sure if you guys have ever heard of that before. No, I no, not personally. Okay. So <clears throat> if you imagine like a weight that's gonna be at the very end of your line and then up the line a little bit you tie like what's called an octopus hook it's got more of like a rounded hook to it it's not more like a j it's more like almost like a almost like completing a a, an o or something like that it's called an octopus hook and you're gonna put a finesse worm on there and you're just gonna the weight is gonna stay on the bottom but the finesse worm is gonna stay at that constant like whatever that is like a foot up from the bottom or a foot up from the weight and as you work it back, it's got great movement coming in back to the boat. 
and you can let it sit right there and those fish will as you work it over their bed they'll come up and smoke that finesse worm because they think like remember your son was talking about or that biologist was talking about the disturbance Mm -hmm. the disturbance is the weight on the bottom and then when they go to check it out they see this finesse worm floating up top and they go up there and strike that and that thing then it's like game on the cool thing about bass fishing and i think what hooks a lot of guys is there's so many different baits that you can throw that you really have to see what's really because you're trying in a protection mode. So you want to find the thing that's really going to piss them off. One thing, like I talked about earlier, that crawfish or that crawdad that you're going to throw down is going to land in their nest. That's going to piss them off. The other thing is that weight dragging on the bottom is going to drag right through kind of like the area they're protecting. They feel, they see that disturbance where they feel that mud getting kicked up from the weight. They're going to go check it out to guard it. And a lot of the times is you don't even have to cast on their their nest or the area that they're at if you just cast in an area that's surrounding it and what i mean by that i'm talking like a 10 foot radius mm-hmm. they'll go over there and almost intercept that before it gets to their nest that's how aggressive they are oh wow so it's kind of, it's kind of cool to this time i mean you you can throw it like a senko which is like a really thick worm just you can hook it different ways they call it wacky or you know different ways to, to hook that as well they're going to bite anything that's really going to piss them off this time of year so Bass fishing is something that it's really an art to get that fish to, to, to go after your bait, depending on what time of year it is. But if you want to have your highest hook rate or your highest success right now, as you're listening to this, you need to get out there and do it right now because they're guarding those nests. So with a bass, you're almost always trying to piss the the animal off. Yeah, exactly. Like you're not really playing on their ability to want it. I guess, I guess, depending on the time of year, once again, mm-hmm. but it seems like they're such an aggressive fish that you're trying to make them angry 99% mm-hmm. of the time compared to wanting them, you know, trying to get them to eat what is in front of them, right. I guess. And the bass are like the number one predator. They're going to be down there. So they know they're kind of the boss. So that when they're out there, they're going after anything and, and they're going to eat it up, right? Because they want first crack at the table of whatever food is there or whatever that uh, is pissing them off the most they're going to go after it and check it out and then when you see the cool thing about bass too this time of year the water's still kind of clear you'll see them go after your bait and if they'll go out there and check it out and see what's going on then they mm-hmm. might swim away so if they do that you got to say to yourself why did it swim away i need to try something different switch up a color switch up a different type of bait maybe throw something bigger maybe you know maybe throw something that stays in their face a little bit more so that's what's cool about bass is like you almost see how they react, and if they're not going after it, you need to go back to the drawing board and throw something else. That's why a lot of the times um, bass anglers during tournaments, they've got like 10 rods up on their bow, and they're just grabbing something else to throw back out there to get back after that fish. Just throw something else in their face to see if they'll go after it. Makes sense. What What are some of your favorite colors to throw? You know, just you know, your top three or something like that. Do you have a top three? Yeah, I like to throw what's called, uh, they call it like a pumpkin color. It's like a, it's almost like an army green. Yeah. And a lot of times I try to throw in, I try to throw in like a flake. What I mean by that is like, it'll be like an army green with a red flake or a purple flake, or it'll be a black body worm with a purple flake or a red flake. Anything with a red flake or a purple flake into the bait, I think really draws their eye to it. And then from there, kind of play with size play with thickness, play with, uh, you know, something that's, um, 
you can throw just a standard black worm. I think black worm kind of works more in the middle of summer when the water temperatures are a little bit warmer, but you want something that's going to catch their eye because they're kind of, you know, they're lurking down there protecting their nest or whatever. They're going to go check it out. So if you throw something that's got a little sparkle to it, they'll jump on it. Um, watermelon is another cool color. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm not sure if you guys have heard of that before. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the pro angler that we had on uh, probably almost two years ago now. He that was one of his colors. Like I think it was white, black, and watermelon, wasn't it? Like yeah, that, those were his I, three. Black was was one of his, and I'm like, really black? He's like, yes, black. Yeah, you know, black, I, I would yeah, think like bright, reason. bright, bright, bright. He's like, no, no, I actually like dark green, watermelon, black. <laughs> I think is what he said, yeah. or something like that. And the cool thing about that is, if you're targeting largemouth and you have smallmouth in the ecosystem as well, they'll also hit on those same colors. Um, smallmouth will kind of tend to hit more on the white bodies as well, where you know I, don't, I haven't really had much success with largemouth on the white bodies, but smallmouth um, tube jigs. You guys ever hear of a tube jig? I want to say yes, so I don't sound stupid, but no. <laughs> uh, okay, well, <laughs> throw tube jigs. Tube jigs uh, kind of sound like just what they, they kind of look like a little squid, like a little mini squid. Okay. In the middle, they're hollowed out like a tube, and you got to buy a certain hook for them that's like a lead in the shape of a, almost like a uh, like a banana, or it's like an elongated piece of lead that kind of goes on the inside of the tube. Um, that's another great way to, to, to keep your bait in front of them and on their nest. Kind of float that tube over their nest or in the area where they're guarding and let it sink down to the bottom. They'll go over there and check it out for sure. That's awesome. Yep. Okay. And then, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, sorry. Finish your thought. One last thing. Every, everyone knows this, but everyone's putting in their docks this time of year. At least in Michigan, they are. Okay. They're getting See, their, they, they just they stay in the water down there. there. Yeah, here, we just they just stay there. They don't yeah. go nowhere. Yeah, so when, up here, like, in, well, I'm sure down there too, but it's like a predator lurking in the dark shadows, and that's usually cast over by – uh, you know, like docks. I mean, a lot of people know that a lot of bass anglers target docks, but especially this time of year, they'll put their nests underneath a dock or right up at the end of a dock. So still continue to, to stay in the shallows and target those areas as well. Okay, okay. cool. Yeah. You, st- you, you disappeared there for a second, but I'm guessing what you said was docks come in and they start using, they use the underneath of that dock as, as protection and things like that. Yep. Yeah. Just okay. like structure. Yeah. They, they use it to their advantage to kind of hide under there and then they come out and that's where they typically get it. Gotcha. Okay. I really, I, this is honestly, I wanted to do this so bad since we started talking about crappie and bass. Yeah. I want to pit the yeah. two against each other. Yeah. Who is the more aggressive fish? Crappie. Are they more aggressive all the time or are they, so like I'm, what I'm, and this is just for like my selfish thoughts in my, my own pond. The bigger a bass gets, does a crappie become a meal or no? I guess it depends on the size of the crappie. Uh, <laughs> right, I guess, yeah. I would say, I would say, I don't think so, dude. If you're talking to just like somewhat mature crappie, think about it this way. Remember, they're running schools. So oh, yeah. yeah. I, think, I think grown crappie are more intimidating to a bass and I think they'll kind of more just kind of like mingle in with one another. I don't think it'll run a bass off, but if there's a, a big school of crappie and, you, and you're dropping your bait down in there, most likely the crappie are going to go pretty ham over what's in front of them to figure out what it is, especially if they're hungry. 
uh, they're going to go over there and try to be opportunistic to get that before the bass do. So I don't think bass will run crappie off. I haven't seen it. Um, but I'm not saying that it doesn't happen. But if I were to put my money on something that's going to be more aggressive, I would say the crappie. That's cool. So, like, if we had a uh, a cockfight between crappie and bass, yeah. the crappie might be the king. That's Sounds cool. like it. I've always liked uh, – this is just me personally. I've always liked crappie a little more than I have bass. I don't know why. Just they taste for some a lot reason. They, they do taste better, and I'm not even a fish fan. But uh, they do taste better. And uh, I just – I for some reason, I've always thought they were prettier. Um, yeah, they, they tend to be a little smaller in general, but, um, you know, I'm a little dude, so, uh, you know, you gotta, gotta pull for the little guy, right? You know? Right. <laughs> the, the cool thing about crappie too, is a lot of times you can fish for them at night well past dusk. So, uh, you know, go out there when, when the sun's setting and it's almost dark set up on that structure that we kind of talked about, where if you know where there's a big tree underneath you or, um, you know, a sunken Island and stuff like that and hang out there because at night they can really turn on and uh, get even more aggressive. It's like, for whatever reason, it's, it's their trigger to really eat a lot. And uh, I, I think they use that to their advantage. Bass, you're not going to catch too many bass at night. Um, you'll catch them early in the morning and more of like where the sun's still a little bit high in the sky as the sun's setting. But for crappie, dark time uh, is a great time to go for them. Some of, our, some of my favorite memories, uh, my grandparents, they lived in North Carolina on a lake. And we would go out in the middle of the night and we would put lights over the boat and so it would shine a beam down in there and so the minnows would come around that light and you would just you'd pick crappie off like crazy i mean that, yep. was, that was some of the best fishing i've ever had yep they're i mean like i said they've got big mouths on them so they're hungry they I, there's a reason why they got big mouths on them they're that's why i say they're pretty dang aggressive that's awesome bass bass you almost gotta kind of like seek out uh and find where they're at and then kind of get pretty strategic on how to catch them um, you know, crappie, it's like when it's on and they're hungry, it's like, look out, you know what I mean? That's why you can fill a bucket pretty quick. Yeah. Cause they'll, they'll come to try to eat what you're, you're, you're putting out. That's pretty cool. Yep. Well, yep. Lee, um, uh, I mean, this was some great information. I, I'm going to use everything you talked about cause it was more than I know. Um, and my son will probably be like, I told you dad, see? Yeah. I actually, I asked my buddy, uh, his son, his name's Brooks or whatever. I asked, Hey, is Brooks got any questions, you know, about fishing or anything like that? And he gave us a few and he, you actually covered them all. And I didn't even <laughs> before have to, you ask, got to yeah, ask him before I even had to ask him. So well, it worked thanks out for great. the questions, Brooks. Yeah. Brooks and cash. So <laughs> yeah. shout out to them. Boys. Yeah. That's the cool thing about fishing. And, you know, there's a lot of overlap with hunting too. It, it's just, you know, the other thing too, is like, don't be afraid to throw something that a lot of people aren't throwing. Um, you know, I've caught a lot of walleye on bass baits before because a lot of them are weedless and it, those walleyes will go to the, the weeded areas in the summertime to hang out. And, you know, the traditional walleye tackle, they're not typically weedless tackle. So if you throw some bass lures in there too, you can pull a lot of random fish out of there. So it's just, fishing is just one of those things where it's like, you know, you can, you can learn it through trial and error of what works and what doesn't, but you can also put together your own program pretty quickly. That makes me feel better because... Usually when I go to like Bass Pro and I need to buy some more stuff for the boys, I don't know what I'm looking at. So I just start grabbing shit right. <laughs> and be like, well, this looks cool. Yeah, oh, that, that too. All right, that, you know, I need some of these. Having a sale on this. Pick up a handful. <laughs> so every time I go to Cabela's or something like that, I just slowly pick off tackle. Like 
if you end up only spend 20 bucks, but that adds up. So every trip I go there pretty soon, you got a couple tackle boxes full of some, some great baits. Yeah. That's awesome. Perfect. Well, Lee, before we hop off here, uh, why don't you tell people how they can get a hold, uh, or not get a hold of you, but listen to the freshwater bite podcast and uh, Michigan life outdoors. Yeah. So, uh, it's on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, anywhere where you guys probably typically hear, listen to, uh, this podcast, in Missouri. Um, you can find it there, just freshwater bite. Uh, you know, follow me on Instagram. It's just freshwater bite is the handle for that. And then for Michigan Life Outdoors, it's just MI Life Outdoors. So my life outdoors there. And uh, yeah, please feel free to DM me. Um, you know, I'm an open book. Even you guys come to Michigan, please, you know, hit me up and I'll definitely point you in the right direction and uh, get you guys on walleye, salmon, crappie, whatever you guys want. I'll give you guys some great areas to, to, to shoot for and some, some common lakes. And if you're ever down in Missouri, we'll uh, show you the right farm pond life. Yeah. And you can show us how to All catch right. them, but we'll take you to the farm We'll ponds. take you to the ponds. <laughs> you just got to show us how to catch them. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. Use me however you guys want to. I, I encourage it. So Awesome. Yeah, my, my son would love spending a day with you, I'm sure, because he'd be like, this guy's a... Uh, well, has a knowledge. fishing podcast? Why don't you have a fishing podcast, Dad? <laughs> He's a lot cooler than you are. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, Lee Kleinow with Freshwater Bite, uh, we really appreciate your time tonight. And um, if you don't have anything else, we're going we're gonna to press the stop button on this one. All right. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate right. it. Thanks, man. Yep. Why, well, thank you, Lee, for coming on the show and, you know, making us, learning us dummies something. Does that make sense? I guess, man. <laughs> so, no, man, lots of good information on that one. If, Like we've talked about numerous times, we're not huge fishermen just because we can't be. But uh, there's definitely some tips and tricks in there that you can pick up on and hopefully go bag your limit. I mean, you guys always throw them back, but like if, I, if I'm catching crappie. Decent amount of time, yeah. I'll eat the crap out of some crappie, man. I love eating crappie. I had some the other day. It was great. Delicious. Nice. Okay, I'm going to do something. What are you going to do? Andy's ass didn't show up. No, he did not. Okay, he was supposed to have golf tonight. And then it got rained out, and then he forgot. I don't know how you golf at night. This evening. Okay. Anyways. And then it got rained out, and then he forgot about it. Okay? Just so happens, our buddy, Andrew, months over at the O2 podcast, oh. sent me a dad joke today and said, Andy should tell this one. Well, Andy's not here. Well, Andy's not here, so I'm going to freaking tell it. All right. What's the joke? All right. Let me get in my zone. I got to, like... But see, the thing about Andy, Andy brings them up naturally, or tries to, and then you F them up. Okay. Well, talk then. Talk about something. I'll try to naturally bring it in. Hey, uh, you feeling all right after your uh, vasectomy? No, actually, today my balls were a little tender. <laughs> not going to lie. <laughs> so did you need a wheelchair? No, not quite. Hmm. Speaking of wheelchairs... um, to the man in the wheelchair who stole my camouflage jacket, you can hide, but you can't run. <laughs> I'm sorry for anybody who's in a wheelchair. I'm not making fun of you, but uh, that was the joke I got today. <laughs> you can hide, but you can I can see why I don't do the dad jokes. I laugh at by the end of it. I'm already laughing. I know. I mean, that's a pretty good joke. Andrew, that was a good one, by the way, buddy. Uh, I, la I laughed my ass off when I read that one. Yeah, appreciate I that. I sent too. it to both the boys, and... Uh, um, uh, so I decided to use it today cause Andy wasn't here to give a good dad joke. I don't even think we had one last week. I don't remember. I honestly don't either. 
but I'm pretty sure we didn't. No, I wasn't even on last week's, but I just listened to it, but I don't remember. No, we didn't. Yeah, because we were up in uh, northern Missouri. Yeah, you were up in Chillicothe, if I remember right. Somewhere close to there. No, we were our east Chillicothe. Oh, really? Yep. Okay. Okay. All right. You got anything else before we hop off here? Nope. It's late. I'm ready to go to bed. I got to get up early and drive, so I'm going to go to bed. All right, man. Later, dude. See you guys.